Now, presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by Pastor Ben Pierce. Well, I'm excited today to bring to you guys the third message in this series called Heart for the House. This series is, is about developing a heart for the things that Jesus has a heart for. How many of you guys know that, um, that the devil or, or the enemy of our souls is constantly trying to get our hearts uh, drawn away from the things of God and put on the things of this earth? You guys ever just, you know, there, there's just things that your heart gets drawn away from God for and, and put into things that really don't matter. Things that in the end of the age really are just going to be gone. Things that, uh, that are going to burn up, you know, and it's like careers and, and houses and cars and, and prestige and Palm Beach pickles or whatever that is now. <laughs> And so this series is to help us not get drawn away into all those things, but to help us have a heart for the things that are eternal. And so today's message title is called Speak. Some things that we need to speak as people with a heart for the house. What are we saying with our mouths? You know, when we started this series, Melissa opened it up with uh, the message that was titled, I am a product of the church. Last week, I, uh, I preached a message that talked about how we are all called to be prophets, priests, and kings. Every single one of us, according to scripture. And prophets speak. They're, they're concerned with what God is saying to man, and then we speak those words to, to our fellow brothers and sisters. And, and priests are concerned with what man is saying to God. How our worship looks, what the sacrifice of our life is like to God. And, and kings, they're, they're concerned with the governance kind of things. Kings are concerned with like, how's the church budget doing? Are, are we reaching people? Are we tithing? Are we sending missionaries on the field? And, and it's when the prophets, the priests, and the kings, they speak, they serve, and they give. When all three of those roles begin to function together, we begin to see God do amazing things in our city. So I want to welcome you to the third part of this series. As a matter of fact, can we welcome all those joining us by video? So glad you guys have tuned in today. We're going to have a great, great time. Last week, I asked you guys a couple of questions. Number one, in your life, are you more concerned with what God is saying to man? Is that kind of your heartbeat? Like, what is the word of God for my generation? Or are you more concerned with what man is bringing to God as worship? Or are you more concerned with how we're interacting with each other, the person-to-person -person interaction? And if you missed last week's message, I encourage you to go on the podcast. You can watch the video or listen to the audio and answer those questions because every single one of us fit into one of, one of those three roles, maybe even multiples of those three roles. So are you more concerned with what God is saying to man, what man is bringing to God as it relates to worship, or what man is saying to man? We need to answer that question. Over the next three weeks, we're going to look at how to function as a body of believers in these three God-given gifting areas so that we can reach an entire generation, so that we can do what God has called us to do. Ever since the beginning of time, there have been men and women of God that were a voice to their generation. They were able to speak the heart of God to the world. They were prophets. Whether it was Martin Luther's spiritual reformation of the church, or whether it was Winston Churchill's defense of the Christian civilization. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. 
We shall never surrender. Or it was Nelson Mandela's fight to bring freedom to South Africa. The time for the healing of the wounds has come. The moment to preach the cousins that divides us has come. The time to build is upon us. Or whether it was Mother Teresa's fight to end poverty in Calcutta, India, or whether it Martin Luther King Jr.'s fight for civil rights. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. Or what if it was Billy Graham's call to the heart of a nation to repent? Before God. The question that I want to ask you tonight is this. Is your heart right? See, I want you to, to just imagine with me for a minute what our world would be like if those people had not stepped up to speak prophetically what God had put inside of them. What if Martin Luther had never spoke against the tyranny in the church? What if he had never given Bibles out to people to read so that they could, they could learn and understand about the kingdom of God for them? What if Winston Churchill had never spoken the things that God wanted him to speak when this world faced Nazism? See, every single one of us have a word inside of us. Every single one of us are called to be prophets, priests, and kings. And see, the only difference between somebody like Billy Graham and you is that Billy Graham was just willing to speak it. See, Billy Graham didn't know he was going to be Billy Graham before he was Billy Graham. He was just willing to say what God had put on his heart. What we're supposed to speak, the things that God gives us, he speaks to us that are so important to other people. Your world, it can't survive without what God has put inside of you, the things that you're supposed to speak, the things that you're supposed to say. I want to take you back in time to a place where the people of God spoke the things that they were supposed to speak. They didn't just sit on, on their laurels or they didn't just uh, walk back into the shadows and, and not take a part, an ownership piece of their generation. They, they said the things that were needed to be said. And, and when these people got together and they, they, they spoke the things that God put on their hearts, God began to change a nation. They, they were working to rebuild a ruined city. And it's a ruined city not too different than our own city like West Palm Beach. You guys know our city needs to be rebuilt. And the way that we begin to rebuild it is we've got to speak the words that God has given us. We've got to let that prophetic gift inside of us be used for our generation. A single prophet like Billy Graham could turn an entire nation's heart a single person in this place could create revival in West Palm Beach. When the people truly began to develop a heart for the house 25 years ago, a heart for the things that God had a heart for, they began to see things change. The next three weeks is a story of how normal, average, everyday people like you and me can change a generation. 
We have an opportunity in front of us to completely revolutionize our city. We have an opportunity in front of us to have a national influence in our, our nation. We have an opportunity in front of us. I, I look at the people in our congregation like Seco Rodriguez, who's very involved in politics. And I think we, he's already having an influence on a national level, on a regional level, on a local level. Why? Because he's willing to speak the things that God has put inside of him. We have an opportunity as a church to be more than just a local church in a storefront. We have an opportunity to reach a world. We have an opportunity to, to change a generation. We have a responsibility for the generation. It's more than just coming to church. It's more than just having a career. It's more than just doing all of those kind of things. And by the way, in order to, to make a mark on eternity, it doesn't mean that you have to trade in your career. You can make a mark on eternity and still be an accountant. You can make a mark on eternity and still be a doctor or still be a lawyer or still be a, a housewife or a mother. You can make that mark. The question is not can you. The question is will you. Will you speak the things that God wants you to speak? So let me set the stage a little bit. God's people had been in exile. They'd been carried off to Babylon, and they, they came back from this place of captivity, similar to, to when they were in Egypt. It was another captivity. And they came back, and God gave them a mandate to rebuild a ruined city. He gave them the promise that if they would put their hands to the house of God, that he would bless them. If they would get committed to the task at hand, that he would give them everything that they needed to do it. If, if they would put their whole heart inside of it, he would heal the wounds of their captivity. And we live in the same type of place, the same kind of city that needs somebody to build it, that needs somebody to have a heart for it, that, that needs somebody to get healed up from the past so that we can do something great for God. And so 2,500 years ago, there was a man by the name of Haggai. And he just began to speak. He was just a normal average guy, just like you and me. And for four months, he began to speak what God had placed on his heart. And in four months' time, he began revival. He began to change an entire generation. These guys faced three problems that are common to all peoples in all times. What they faced, the problems that they faced 2,500 years ago are the same problems we face today. The same three problems. Haggai chapter 1, if you'd like to turn there with me. Haggai chapter 1, minor prophet, Old Testament we can follow on the screen. It says, verse 1, In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And he said this, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people, they say that the time has not come, and that the Lord's house should not be built. That the time has not come for God's house to be built. They were in a bad place. They were caught up in all of the things that were going on in their lives. They, they were caught up in building their own world. They were caught up in their own careers. They were caught up in, in what the, the people around them thought. They were caught up in all of those kind of things. And they said, man, it's not time that we should be developing a heart for God's house. Three dangers of an undeveloped heart or an underdeveloped heart for God's house. Verse three, then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and that my temple should lie in ruins? Now the modern day temple is not bricks and mortar. The modern day temple is people. 
See, the word of the prophet, the word of God for us today is should we focus on our lives while there are people who are the temple of the Holy Spirit around our city who lie in ruins? There are temples, one and a half million of them in this county that lie in ruins. And God's word for us today is should they be that way while we focus on the next car we're going to drive? And I'm not mad at you for having a new car, but while we focus on the next house we're going to have, it's not an either or situation. It's an and. Why can't we focus on building people and having a great life? I mean, God is big enough to do both of those, is he not? See, it's what Matthew 6, says. It says that if we seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, then he adds all things to us. But let's be honest. Can I just break it down for you? We read that scripture and we quote that scripture, but do we really live it? And do we really believe it? It's easy to say that, yeah, I'll seek God first and he'll add all things to me. But then we say, all right, I'm seeking God, but yeah, I'm still trying to add it to myself. Instead of just trusting the Lord to add those things, following his schedule, allowing him to do what he wants to do. They had gotten to this place, verse 5, it says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider that you have become disinterested with the kingdom of God. The first thing that every generation faces in life is they get disinterested with the kingdom of God. They get to this place where it no longer rings their bell. It, it no longer interests them. It no longer uh, captivates their heart. 2,500 years ago, they got disinterested. And today, people are disinterested. Number one in your notes, as we fixate on building God's house, we defeat disinterest. When we become a people who have a heart for God's house, it drives disinterest out of us. It drives those things that we get kind of bored with because we're focused on building something that is eternal and it begins to not only drive disinterest out, but it begins to generate fresh interest and new interest in what God is doing. Verse six, he says this, he says, you have sown much and you bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. He who earns wages, they earn wages and they put it into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring down wood to build the temple, to build people, bring resources to build people's lives that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord of hosts. Every generation faces disinterest. The people of God 2,500 years ago, guess what they did? They took God at his word. They heard the prophet speak and they obeyed God. And he says this in verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke. He spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I am with you always, says God. And so the Lord began to stir up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor. Notice that there's the kingly part. And he began to stir up the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. There's the priestly part. And he began to stir up the spirit of all of the remnant of the people. Now catch this picture with me. Here's this man that gets a word from God that says, we're not interested enough in the kingdom. We've got to develop a heart for what God has a heart for. And the people heard it and they obeyed and they stopped working feverishly on their paneled houses. And they began to work on building the house of God. They began to work on building the temple, building people up. 
And what did God begin to do? He began to stir in their spirit. How many of you guys would like to have the Lord just stir in your spirit? I don't know about you, but that's, that's some of the, the most intense and sweet and just satisfying time I've ever had in my entire life is when the presence of God just stirs in my soul. Just stirs in my soul. You know what happens is a lot of times we come to church, we come to the, the gathering. It's the Greek word ecclesia. It does, does that not mean building. It means people. The church is the people, not this building with a steeple. And so they, they came together and God began to stir inside of them. And, and so often in the modern age, we come together to get stirred instead of coming together to build God's house. But the reality is, is if we come together and build God's house, he stirs us. You know, it's like we're looking for something that we're never going to find because we're going about it the wrong way. Like it, there's this mentality in American church that we come in to get mine. I got to get mine. I'm down today. I need to come to Wednesday, first Wednesday service because I need a bump. I need a kick in the pants. I, I need somebody to love on me. And the reality is, is that when you come to this place, to this gathering of believers, if you will change your mentality, instead of thinking about what do I need, think about what other people need. And all of a sudden, God looks at that and he says, okay, they're getting it. And because they are getting it, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the finger of God and I'm going to stir your heart. Instead of trying to stir your own, let God stir your heart by having a heart for the house, having a heart for the things that God has a heart for. Listen, God's not against us having our own house, but just that our own house doesn't supersede his house. I don't know if you notice it or not, but in these days, the devil works overtime to disconnect people. Not only to disinterest us, but to disconnect us from God. How many of you guys have ever just been disconnected from the family of God? Like, let me ask it this way. How many of you have ever found yourself where you just haven't been in the fellowship of believers for four weeks or more? Yeah. Most of the hands in here. And you guys are the nine o'clock crowd. <laughs> right? So the nine o'clock crowd, the people who get out of bed to come hear some dude preach, you're the ones that are, are more committed than most. But yet so many of us have found ourselves disconnected for four or more weeks from the life of God. No wonder we get disinterested. Every generation faces it. People get disinterested in the church when their heart is not for the vision of their local church. You want to know how to combat being disinterested? Have a heart for what's going on here. Just have a heart for what's going on here. I love Duke. Every time we do a, an event, he brings generators out. That's a heart. For what God is doing here. He brings them out selflessly. We lose them. We, we do all kinds of crazy. We're like, dude, I don't know what happened to the generator, bro. We gave it to the bounce house guy. And we're trying to call the bounce house guy. And then the bounce house guy says, well, I don't know if I have. You know, and I'm thinking, we're going to have to buy, like, I don't know, a huge generator. <laughs> and a heart for the house. It helps us get over that disinterest. When you just waltz in and you waltz out and you don't meet anybody and you don't go to life groups and you're not a part of anything and, and you just sit on the back row and, and how do you develop a heart for that? I can tell you this, you're going to get disinterested. Give it six months and you're just going to get bored with it. And then you're going to find yourself disconnected. And then you're going to find yourself needing God to stir your soul again. Stay connected with what God's doing. Be cautious of disinterested people. 
Be cautious of people who are not for the vision of the house that you're a part of. People who come to you and say, yeah, you know, that Pastor Ben, all that gray hair. (laughs) All he tries to do is just get me fired up for God. I hate that. Why does he push me all the time? All he does is ask me to get involved. All he does is ask me to reach out to Jesus. All he does... Be careful of disinterested people. If somebody comes to you, I mean, let me break it down for you. If you have a developed heart for the house of God and the place that you've been planted, when somebody comes to you and says, oh, that Pastor Ben, you need to defend me. (laughs) I'm just saying. It's that, it's that type of mentality that will cause us to do something great here. You need to defend our staff. You need to defend the vision of this house. You know, 287 people have been born again in the services this year alone. 171. 171 rededications. We had 50 to 100 uh, salvations and 26 baptisms at the fall festival. And I heard some, some, by the way, did you guys know I hear everything? The grapevine grows out of my front yard, in case you guys were wondering. It all comes back to me. And I heard recently there were some people from another church that were saying, yeah, that Pastor Ben, he just doesn't preach the Bible, doesn't preach doctrine. Well, 287 people have been born again. You can't get born again unless you've been preached the gospel. So my thing is, people are going to talk. You get critics in life. If you're doing anything great for God, you develop a big bullseye right on the back. And we've got to defend that, defend this house, have a heart for what God is doing here and protect this. And, 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 and let's link arms together and not let the enemy sow discord, not let, the, let people talk because people talk. Come on. You know, when you come to a church, can I caution you? When you come to a church, you get a snapshot of what that church looks like when you come. And as that church continues to grow, it exceeds your view of what you saw when you first entered the place. So the church ends up way up here reaching thousands of people, but yet you came when we were five or 600 members. And, and even though we're going to be thousands, you're going to be thinking, well, I liked it when it was five or 600 members. And I just encourage you, grow with it. Bring a blank canvas. Allow God to paint a fresh picture. And don't get stuck where you were. Has this ever happened to you? Like, you know, you, you meet somebody when you're 12, And then you turn into this 25-year-old adult, you're married, you've got kids, but yet this aunt or uncle or whoever, they still treat you like you're 12, right? It's the same thing in the church world. I just encourage you, grow with it. Have a heart for what God is doing here. Their interest in building their own kingdom will bring them and you to this place of verse 6. Let me read verse 6 to you. It says that you have sown much and you brought in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink and are not filled. You clothe yourselves, but you're not warm. You earn wages and it goes into a bag with holes. When the heart that you have is not fully developed for the house of God, that's where you end up. Haggai chapter two, verse one. It says in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, get this, in just 23 days, one man spoke. And he began to turn an entire people, an entire generation of people in just 23 days. Just a little side note at the the power of what happens when we speak what God wants us to speak. In the seventh month, on the 21st day, 
the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet and said, speak now to Zerubbabel. Notice there's the kingship, the governor of Judah. Speak to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak. There's the priestly part. And to the remnant of the people and say, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? So they were building another temple. The temple had been destroyed years ago when they went into captivity. And so he's asking, the prophet is asking by the Lord, how many of you saw the former temple in its former glory? And people raised their hands and said this and that. And what was happening in their lives is they were beginning to get discouraged. They were getting discouraged because they felt like what they were building in that day didn't match up to what they had seen in a former day. And you know, it happens in church a lot of times. Like, like we come, Melissa and I came out of a big 10 or 12,000 member church. And um, over the span of the years, the life of that church, millions of people have come to know Jesus. We would do crusades in India and Africa, and, and there would be, you know, hundreds of thousands of people show up. The biggest problem was just finding enough electricity in a third world country to power speakers loud enough so that the back row could hear. And so we come from that environment where people are getting saved all the time, and this church is huge, and there's 10,000 people there, and we come and we start our own church. And you know what? It's, it's easy to look at our five, 600 members and, and get a little discouraged because we've seen something different. And maybe you've come from a different place too. Maybe God has brought you to South Florida for a reason. And maybe you came out of a place where there was a former glory. There was something that God did special in that region at that time in your life. And I just encourage you to, to, to not hold so tightly to what God did in yesteryear. Let God do something new. I mean, is he big enough to do it again? Does he want to do it again? Of course he does. He does revival after revival after revival. He refreshes us. He, 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 he changes cities. He, he rebuilds the ruins time and time again. And the key to having God do something special right here in this place is that we don't hold on to the former temple. We allow God to do what he wants to do in this temple, in these people. So he said, who is left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this temple we're building, this vision we're on today, is it not in your eyes as nothing? Every people group faces this. We face discouragement sometimes. You know, it takes a lifetime to, to build what God wants to build through us. Number two, as we are intent on building people's lives, we drive over life's discouragements. You know, when you get so focused on the vision here of seeing people like Leroy and Elisa get their lives completely changed and revolutionized. When, when you, you spend time investing in people and seeing God take them from a bad place to a great place, all of a sudden discouragement begins to disappear. You drive right over it. You know, people have a hard time watching things change, watching their church grow into something better. But if you stay focused on the vision, God will take us somewhere. Haggai chapter two, verse six. It says, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while. I will shake heaven and I will shake earth. I will shake the sea and the dry land and I will shake all the nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And the glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. That's God's word to us today. 
You know, we do things maybe a little different here than where you came from, but the glory that God wants to do here, it's today. It's now. It's God's vision now. It's where you're planted now. And God's glory ever increases. And if you can embrace a heart for this house, God will do something greater here than he did in any former place you've been. Nothing against the former place, which is, it brings something to my heart because I think about how many people got reached in Virginia, what that church did up there. And I think, well, if God's gonna do something greater here than he did there, we're in for a wild ride. We're in for multiple campuses. We're in for thousands of people getting born again. We're, we're in for God doing something in a great fashion in this place, but we've got to have a heart to see it come to pass. The result is, is that we become encouraged in the move of God for our generation as we develop a heart for this house. Number three, staying focused on the vision derails dissatisfaction. So every generation, they, they face this disinterest Every generation, they face this thing of discouragement. And every generation, we face this thing of dissatisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> but see, having a heart for the house gets rid of dissatisfaction. It derails that train of dissatisfaction. And it begins to plant inside of our hearts this satisfied feeling. This, this thing inside of us, this hole inside of us that we have a hard time Having that thing filled up to overflowing, just dissatisfied. I was recently, I just did this diet where I only eat protein and vegetables, no carbs. And let me tell you something, I am dissatisfied. <laughs> so dissatisfied. Like, I feel like I, I've been eating sawdust and grass. And there's just nothing except carbohydrates that fill that. Just here to tell you. I see people shaking their head because some of you guys have done some of the same things. Listen, it's the same thing in the kingdom. Until we get a heart for the house, a higher developed heart for the house, there's always going to be a dissatisfaction there. And nothing can fill that but having a heart for what Jesus had a heart for. Nothing. Nothing. Get a heart for what God has a heart for. Haggai chapter 2 verse 10 it says, on the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, now ask the priest concerning the law, saying, If one carries holy meat into the fold of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread, stew, wine, or oil, or any food, will it become holy? So he has meat, and if it touches something, does it make it holy? Then the priest answered and said, well, no, it doesn't. And Haggai said, well, if one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these things, will it become clean? And so the priest answered and said, yes, it shall be unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so is this people in this generation. And so is this nation before me, says the Lord of hosts. And so is every work of their hands. And what they offer here is unclean because they were dissatisfied with the heart that they had for the house of God. Here's what was happening. They'd had 16 years of doing their own thing. They had a, a section of time where they were busy about their paneled houses. They were busy about their things, and they hadn't developed a heart for the house. And many of you today, you've probably been in church for 16 years. You've been coming, you've been doing your thing, but have you had a heart for God's house? Have you been really planted in a vision you know, the statistics are 2.8 years is the average time that a person stays 
planted in a local church before they get dissatisfied. 2.8 years. If you were into horticulture, you would know that it takes at least three years for a transplanted tree to grow roots and begin to produce fruit. At least three years. So if it takes three years for a transplanted tree, like an orange tree or whatever, to begin to produce fruit after it's been uprooted and replanted, how, does, how do people, how do we expect to produce any fruit for the kingdom of God if our average church switch time is 2.8 years? Just dissatisfied. And there's no fruit that's produced from it. And that's where these people were. They'd had 16 years of disconnection. And now the prophet comes, he says, this is what we got to do. Build the temple, build the people, get it together. And they'd been doing it for three months. And they thought, well, three months, surely that erases 16 years of disconnection. It doesn't. Here's the point by that is it just takes time. It takes time to do what God wants to do here. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in 2014, although we have some really cool things that we feel like the Lord has laid on our hearts for 2014. You guys are going to love it. You can't accomplish it in a year. God is a long-term God. He is not a sprinter. He's a marathon runner. And we need to be marathon runners that you would be planted in a house. I love Matthew and Mary Brickman. They were here in the first service, and they've been here ever since. The very first service. They're marathon runners. They're going to be here. Pastor Sean had been here from the first year. Stephen, in the school, came in with his hoodie on, mad at the world. I thought he was going to shank me in the neck. I really did. Now he's my personal assistant on staff here. He's, he's running the marathon. And, and, and when you get a heart for God's house and you understand that it takes time to develop that heart, it gets rid of that, that dissatisfied part inside of us. Imagine with me where we're going to be in 30 years. Look, look at your, where, wherever God plants you, and I believe he's planted you here, but wherever you're planted, don't, don't look at it year by year. Think about what is God going to be doing with me at Generation Church in 30 years? How many states are we going to be reaching? How many nations are we going to be ministering to? How much of the world are we going to be impacting? Get a long-term vision for what God has for you right here. The result is that we become blessed and we become satisfied at the work. When you get that long-term vision, he says this in verse 19. He says, from this day... The day that you get a long-term heart for the house that you're in, from this day, I will bless you. And I believe that this day is an important day for many of us. I believe that this day, some of us are going to put a stake in the ground and draw a line in the sand. And from this day, we're going to develop something inside of us that maybe we haven't had in a long time. We get a long-term vision. The disillusionment's going to go. The discouragement's going to leave. The dissatisfaction is going to be filled. Close your eyes and let me pray for you. Father, I bless you today. Thank you for these wonderful people. God, I thank you for the heart of this house that beats for the lost people of West Palm Beach. Lord, I thank you that you have given us a city to take here. Lord, that there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who are lost, who are hurting. Their temple lie in ruins. And that, God, you have called us here to rebuild them as lively stones, one by one, into a, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people called of God for a special purpose. Pray, Father, that you would help us. I have a question for you. How many guys would be honest and say, man, I've just, I've faced being disinterested in church before. Maybe you're disinterested right now. Maybe you've been disinterested in the past, but you've just felt that. You've faced it. Nice and brave. Lift your hands up nice and high. Yeah. A lot of hands. How many of you guys would say, there have been times in my life where I've just been discouraged with church? Yeah, a lot of hands there too. How many of you guys would say, in my life, there have been times, and maybe even today, where I'm just dissatisfied with church and with what God is doing? Yeah. Now, if you raise your hand for either of those three, I want you to lift your hand back up real quick. Everybody who raised your hand. I want you to open your eyes, and I want you to look around the room at all the people who have been disinterested, discouraged, and dissatisfied. Don't tell me that this is not a message we need to hear. I'll preach a funny message next week. This is, this is something that we need to hear. This is something that the devil works on to disconnect us to keep us from building something great. Have you noticed in South Florida that, that it just, it's just hard soil? Have you noticed that churches struggle? The year we started Generation Church, two churches closed their doors in Jupiter. And I looked at my wife and I said, are we sure we heard from the Lord here? Are we sure? And I hear about churches that split and I hear about leadership issues and churches going into foreclosure and, and all kinds of things. And, and I don't know about you, but if you're not a Florida native, when you move down from the rest of the country to here, there's a little bit of a culture shock and there's a spiritual culture shock here. And I believe God brought Melissa and myself and our team and you guys here to change that culture, to, to light this place on fire for God. Close your eyes with me one more time. If you're here today, you've heard me talk about having this heart for the house, but you've never opened your heart to Jesus. That's your first step. You never really opened your heart to Jesus. Maybe you've heard people talk bad about the church. Maybe you've read some things. Maybe you were hurt in church as a kid. Maybe you were a, a, a person who was exposed to religion instead of a relationship with Jesus. But for whatever reason, you have not just opened your heart to God. And today, God is tugging on your heart. You're having this kind of internal conversation with yourself like, yeah, I want to know if this is real, but I want to know if, if God is who people claim he is, but... If you're having that internal conversation, God is drawing on you today. The Holy Spirit is, is trying to, to get you to hear the voice of God. So if you're here today, you don't have a relationship with God, you're having that internal conversation, I want to pray for you. Who is that? Would you slip your hand up? Nobody's looking around. Thank you, ma'am. I'm so proud of you. Right here in the middle, right here on the front. Thank you, sir. So proud of you. You can put your hands down. Anybody else, you don't have a relationship with God today. But he's tugging on your heart for one. I love it. Every service, every weekend, somebody gives their life to Jesus. God's doing something here. Secondly, you're here. Your relationship with God is not on center. Maybe you've known him in the past. You've had a relationship with him. But life has just hit you hard. And your relationship has been skewed. 
And today you want to recenter it, refocus it. You want to rededicate yourself to the work that is at hand. And you know God's tugging on your heart to do that. Who is that? Lift your hand so I can pray for you. Thank you, ma'am. Who else? Thank you, sir. Anybody else as I look across the room? Okay. Scripture tells us this, that if you can believe in your heart and say it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he will come into your heart, he'll give you a heart for the things that he has a heart for, and he will save you. He'll pay for your sins, your mistakes, and he'll give you a future. And so I just want to lead you in a quick prayer just so you can say with your mouth the things that are happening inside of your heart. So repeat this with me nice and loud. Say, Father God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I ask you to forgive me, God, for all of my mistakes. Make me a new person right now. Give me a new future and help me to get involved in this family. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome our brothers and sisters into the kingdom? I'm so proud of you.